Hey everybody, welcome to the episode. I'm Maureen and here's your sneak peek into today's episode. This is the final episode of season one. You're going to hear part two of our long flight home to California story. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, go ahead back and start there. Um, You're going to hear why this was Oh, why, why I launched a series of, oh gosh, was it 10, 11 little mini chapters on my blog? Um, and that took about two months to roll those out because this story was, was worth telling. Also, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the end of season one and, and how I made that choice and what direction I'm going into next. So thanks for joining me and let's dive in. Hey everybody and welcome to Two Pancakes of Wisdom, a parenting podcast where I share my everyday adventures as a special needs mom. I'm Maureen O'Neill, a life coach living in the San Francisco Bay Area. My goal is to encourage you, inspire you, and make you smile. Thanks for joining. Let's dive in. Well, it's been a minute. And by minute, I mean just about four months since I recorded my last episode. And I knew I had to finish this one because my last one was part one of my two-part adventure story across the country. You can't end on part one and just let something dwindle off. And also, I, I knew I didn't want to let this podcast just dwindle off. I spent a long time thinking about if this still had a a place in my life. When I was in Rhode Island for those months, I knew it was time to create this. And the first few weeks, I I think I did half of season one (laughs) because I just felt that burning in my heart. And I know now to follow that. I know that I need to leave space for that because when I try to control things in my life too much, um, I think that's when my bipolar brain rebels a little bit and launches me into mania or plummets me into depression when I'm not listening to to my instinct, to my needs. And when it was time to move back to California, since Rhode Island was only our temporary home for those 10 months, um, I was clinging on to that time to um, to the podcast, to everything I created took to coaching. I was so afraid that it had just been this this whim, this this fancy of the moment, and, and I had to hold on tight to make sure that it didn't disappear. And in these last four months, which granted I was very busy because I had gotten back into theater and was doing a production of Noises Off and that was completely consuming and my brain was totally just jam-packed with learning lines and and this crazy blocking. <laughs> theater is is huge and I I think that I only had space in this last year to create this podcast to create two pancakes of wisdom because I couldn't create theater pandemic had closed that door for the time and in that space in that void that's where this grew 
embracing the fact that it's okay for there to be an ending. It's okay for there to be a closing of the door on certain chapters or seasons, (laughs) seasons of the podcast, and to let go and trust that whatever is supposed to come next will come. And that by there being a, a closing of this door, of this chapter, of this season, it doesn't mean that there was something wrong with it because it doesn't live on for years and decades. That perhaps it is just perfect the way it is. So maybe you have something that you have been holding on to, maybe clinging on to, when you have a feeling that it doesn't quite fit anymore, but you're afraid that if you let go of it, It might mean that you made a mistake or that you had been wasting your time. So I just want to encourage you to entertain the possibility that it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And that by letting go, it doesn't mean you'll be saying goodbye. It just means that you'll be allowing your life to flow in the way that's best for you. And with that, I'm going to present to you part two of our flight story, the long journey home to California. I hope you enjoy. I'll see you on the other side of it. Chapter six, Little Piggies in Danger. This goes on for what seems like forever. I become fixated on Charlotte's feet. Her bare feet are stretching out into the aisle. Images of them being stepped on by a stranger or run over by the refreshment cart flash through my mind. How badly would that hurt her foot? Could she break something? And would that make her outburst worse? I honestly can't imagine anything being worse than this. In case you are concerned, dear reader, let me assure you that nothing bad happened to Charlotte's feet on this trip. My nerves, however, felt like they were damaged beyond repair. I eased myself back into my seat, leaning over Charlotte on the ground. I'm giving her pressure on her back, still trying to keep those feet out of the aisle. She changes her direction, sticking her head under the seats in front of us. She arches and pushes and starts squeezing her shoulders through the opening. I am terrified she will get herself stuck or get her head accidentally kicked by the gentleman in front. I use all of my strength to pull her out. I'm afraid I may hurt her, but I'm confident that she would hurt herself worse if I don't pull her out. Our guardian angel, as I am now thinking of her, in the row behind, asks us hesitantly, would she take a bottle? Charlotte has not drunk from a bottle in quite a while. She used to suck on one to go to sleep at night, but outgrew the habit. It's worth a try, I say. All we have on on us is juice, so we pour some juice in the bottle and offer it to Charlotte. She takes it to her lips and pulls it out quickly. Milk? She requests. We are excited that she shows interest. Perhaps she will take the bottle and fall asleep for the rest of the flight. Quickly, we page the flight attendant. Do you have any milk? I ask. No, I'm sorry, she responds. We are deflated. 
The image of me cradling a sleeping, calm Charlotte vanishes. We try offering her the juice again. Charlotte takes a sip and pushes it aside. No dice. Chapter 7. Relieving the Pressure Eventually, we change positions. I drag her onto the seats and pull back the armrests so that Charlotte can sprawl out. Her feet still stick out into the aisle, but at least I'm not as concerned about them being run over by something. We somehow spin her around so her feet are against the plain wall. Time ticks by. In our new position, things are slightly more manageable. Charlotte flexes her body and presses her legs against the plain wall while we brace her back and shoulders. She's like a tiger, her muscles coiled and in need of release. Charlotte has more moments of clarity in between her muscle contractions. Her voice is still strained when she asks, home or car? It breaks our hearts. There is nothing we can do to make the plane fly faster or transport us magically into the car home. At this point, the Wi-Fi is working properly and we are able to use the iPad. Sitting across my lap, she holds the iPad and occasionally focuses on it while I play her favorite music videos. Usually, I am very conscious of how loud our devices are when we are in public. I don't want to subject anyone to True and the Rainbow Kingdom or the Bumble Numbs unless they have chosen that fate for themselves. In this situation, however, I think the sound of True and the Rainbow Kingdom is probably preferable to the sounds of Charlotte's shrieks and screams. Chapter 8 Parting Shot Just when I think we are in the clear, Charlotte picks up the cardboard baby shark book. She takes a long look at it and launches it in the air. This time it lands in the gentleman's row ahead and hits the tray table. We hear a splash as the book knocks over a cup of mystery liquid. We watch helplessly as the men scurry to clean up the spill. The one on the left silently hands the book back over to us. I don't even know what to say. How many times can you say you're sorry? One more feeble, I'm sorry, comes out of my mouth, and I pause. Is there anything I can do to help? I ask in despair. The gentleman on the left pauses his cleaning and turns to me. No. It's not a mean no. It is a kind no, a compassionate no that silently says, I know you're doing everything you can, and this is harder on you than it is on anyone else in this plane. I do not blame you, and we will all survive this. I hold the baby shark book in my hand and think back to the baby shark blanket Charlotte loved so much. In my very first Two Pancakes of Wisdom live video, I talked about that blanket and the lesson it taught me. The battery that played a robust version of the baby shark song had given out, and Charlotte was very upset. I tried to explain to her that it was broken now, but she didn't stop trying over and over. It reminded me of that saying about insanity be being trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. From the outside, it's easy to see that Charlotte should move on. But just like it was for Charlotte, 
it can be difficult to recognize when we are trapped in a pattern-resisting change. After that, I made lots of videos using stories about Charlotte to teach life lessons. My little audience grew and looked forward to my live Two Pancakes of Wisdom Monday videos. I never imagined those words, Two Pancakes of Wisdom, would become so meaningful and ultimately the name of my business. Back on the plane, I decided to reach out to my guardian angel behind us and let her know how significant she has been for us. I write her a little note thanking her and plan to give it to her after the flight. I include my Instagram handle and hope she'll reach out to me. I'm probably going to write a blog about this experience, so I hope she'll find that meaningful. I would give it to her now, but sometimes that makes me feel awkward, particularly if she doesn't respond. One of the challenges of bipolar is that I feel a warm wave of courage to act on my creative impulses, and then I'm hit by the sobering dark cloud of doubt. The warmth fades and I regret my action. This will not be one of those times, I promise myself. Charlotte is calm now and spends the next few hours in an exhausted daze. She eats most of the snacks we have brought and enjoys the rest of the mini M&Ms from our neighbor. I can't believe she is still awake. In the past, when she had an outburst like this, she was exhausted and fell asleep afterward. And here she had been up since 5 a.m. Why on earth wasn't she falling asleep? I think back over the day, like I often do when things are really rough. What went wrong? Chapter 9. What went wrong? Well, she woke up very early, which has worked in our favor in the past. But this time it just left her exhausted and hyped up. We sent her to school and picked her up an hour early so we could head to the airport. Charlotte's teachers came out to meet us at the curb. We also saw the lovely social worker who we had appreciated so much. We saw him face to face for the first time. It was a special connection for Bill and me, but it was probably strange for Charlotte. The original plan was to fly at 9 p.m. It would have meant arriving at 3 a.m. our time, but it would have been well worth it if Charlotte slept for most of the flight. Well, our well-laid plans went astray. The airline contacted us to let us know they would be consolidating flights and our 9 p.m. flight was now a 5 p.m. flight. Didn't they understand how carefully we had worked out this plan? This is why we were stuck collecting Charlotte at 2 p.m. and heading straight out on our hour-long drive to the Boston airport. Charlotte went from school to an hour-long drive to a two-hour-long journey through the airport and wait at the gate to a seriously long flight. Instead of falling asleep like we expected, she was exhausted but overstimulated. And here we are. With two and a half hours left of the flight, Charlotte finally seems ready to sleep. She snuggles up next to me, and I put my sweatshirt over her like a blanket. She pulls it up over her head, and we make a little tent for her. Her breathing calms, and finally she goes to sleep. Chapter 10, Chat with an Angel in our newfound quiet, we strike up a very quiet conversation with our guardian angel. We come to learn her name is Ivy. 
Ivy is younger than us, and is from Massachusetts. She speaks in that same no-nonsense way that a lot of New England women I've met speak. Kind, but tough. When I met her in the terminal, I never would have expected her to play this role in our flight. Our emergency revealed her huge, generous heart. Little Charlotte Grace sat between Ivy and another woman, whom I learn is Ivy's mom. I think for sure I've misunderstood them at first. I have to crank my head a bit to see her sitting directly behind me, and she looks no more than ten years older than Ivy herself. This radiant blonde woman in the window seat is indeed Charlotte Grace's grandmother. She is a crucial part of the team that sent us emergency supplies through the seats for the last three hours. Ivy mentioned she was about to write a note to pass towards us, and immediately I blurt out, I wrote you a note too. I pass her a little piece of paper, confident that even if she didn't follow up, I would no longer feel self-conscious after I gave it to her. The last hour in the air was blissfully uneventful. We chat on and off with our new friends and scrolled on our smartphones. Chapter 11, A Little Lie, and 12, Bill's Feet of Strength. As we start our final descent, the flight attendant makes the rounds, checking to see if the seat back tables are up and everyone's seat belts are on. She stops at our row and asks me, is her seatbelt on? Now, my dear reader, I am a very honest person. Unnecessarily honest, some might say. I am the kind of person that would confess to something like not having your child's seatbelt on and perhaps offer an explanation why it is impossible in this very moment. But I do something I very rarely do. I look her directly in the eye and I lie. Yup. I stare at her unblinkingly. She hesitates, and I have a sense that she can tell Charlotte's seatbelt isn't on under that pile of sweaters. But perhaps she feels she has done her job and can't be responsible if a mother like me tells a bold-faced lie. I know my arm is around Charlotte, and that if anything happened, I would hold on to her tighter than anything in the world and quickly snap that seatbelt on. Luckily, the luckily, the landing is smooth, and there's no need for me to pull Charlotte into a life-saving embrace. We are waiting an exceptionally long time to arrive at the gate, and I have to work hard to persuade Bill to stay in his seat until the proper time. Bill is a man on the go and wants to get into action as soon as possible. Finally, it is time, and the restless line of travelers trudges forward. Charlotte is still sound asleep. Bill achieves a jaw-dropping daddy maneuver by scooping up the 75-pound sleeping Charlotte and plopping her on his shoulder without waking her up. There's a collective gasp as the passengers behind us marvel at the athletic feat. I have a feeling they would burst into applause if it didn't threaten to wake up the sleeping giant on his shoulder. Ten months after we left for our little vacation, we make it back to California. We did it. We are finally home. Epilogue. Ivy finds me on Instagram and we send messages back and forth. I got a happy birthday message from her just the other week. Her mom sends me encouraging messages too about what a wonderful mother I am to Charlotte. As I write this story, I think about them 
and hope they understand what a huge impact they had on me. You never know when you'll be someone's guardian angel, but you can be sure that that person will never forget you as long as they live. And there you are. That's the last chapter of The Long Flight Home to California. And this is the last chapter of season one of my podcast. It has been an honor to record these minutes here, to spend this time. Imagine who might be listening to this and hoping that my story will inspire and make you feel a little less alone. I was trying to find the right words to uh, to end this time and you know I never found them. <laughs> and I think that points to the the unknowing the the wonder and the uncertainty that can come with starting a new chapter. And even though I don't know what this next cha- next chapter is going to be and where it's going to take me, I know it's time. So I am going to step out boldly into this new chapter. And I encourage you to do the same, even if it's a little chapter. That's our episode and the last episode of season one. In the business, they would call this next part the call to action, like subscribe to my podcast or write a review. But you know what? Here's my call to action. Go out, continue your journey, open a door to a new chapter, go boldly, and I think I'll see you again. I wish you luck. Wish me luck too.